The Question, a podcast that exists at the intersection of pop culture and academia. We sit down and talk about our favorite stuff through the lenses of what we do and who we are. From Pannoni Honors College at Drexel University, Dr. Melinda Lewis here. I'm your host. I'm here with Gail Rosen, teaching professor of English at Drexel University, and we're going to be talking about musicals. Yay! I tried to do my best belting. I'm no Ethel Merman, but let's go on with the show. Let's get down to it. So do you remember like the first musical where you were like, oh, this is for me? Yes. The very first time was when some classmates and I in eighth grade tried to arrange a trip to Broadway, which would never happen now in this way. This wonderful young teacher somehow took just four of us during the summer. Our parents said yes. We took the train to Trenton and then the train to New York and we had tickets to Pippin. Oh, I know it wasn't the original cast, but I didn't care. <laughs> and we were sitting there and, and I remember, uh, of, you know, we walked around New York. It was like the best day, but just hearing the music. And I remember one of my friends really wanted to be an actor and he was just staring at the stage saying, I wish I could be up there. Yeah. But I was thinking, I just want to be right here. Like, I just thought this was <laughs> like the best thing in the world. I have to have this feeling again. And, you know, it's something about your first musical. You, you just, you fall in love and you never forget it. It doesn't matter if it was the best musical ever. It was your first. I grew up watching musicals on like a VHS tape. The two yeah. I remember have also made me question a lot about my childhood. (laughs) Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And then Gigi. The narrative is also really weird uh, and problematic. But, you know, it's it's so funny because I had some of those same experiences, like South Pacific, the musical Mm -hmm. movie, is a whole different thing. But Gigi, I felt the same way. And then, as an adult, thank heaven for little girls? And no one's objecting? Nobody has any questions. It's like, oh, my God. Thank heaven. Four little girls, they grow up in the most delightful way. I don't really know what the significance of Gigi is, except like, maybe I shouldn't groom girls into becoming my courtesans, which I guess is a, is a good message. But other than that, I'm not necessarily sure. Yeah, I mean, that's the musical people go, oh, God, Gigi. Like, people that like musicals said to me, like, oh. Yeah, yeah. It somehow never comes up in a, a course about musicals or a series about important musicals. They never mention Gigi, although maybe they should for these very awful reasons. And I mean, I guess musicals help work through these concepts and ideas. It's, yeah, one of my students said, you know, there's a lot of musicals that have Nazis in them. <laughs> like, I hadn't actually thought about it like that. Like, Sound of Music, The Producers, Cabaret. I'm like, I guess so. It's very interesting. Yeah. And how these, like, musicals are responding to the current politics as well as, like, articulating the historical period in some form or fashion. Well, certainly, yeah. Especially with Hamilton. I mean, that's where you start to, to see people sort of reacting. I always play for my students, you know, the clip of Mike Pence, uh, 
attending the performance with some of his family members and you know the cast was so upset that they they you know backstage like we have to say something at the end we have to like everything to the core of that musical is political (laughs) it is literally about politics you can't be like stopping political but we truly hope that this show has inspired you to uphold our american values and to work on behalf of all of us So you go from being like a kid and a teenager loving like this experience. By that time, were you already kind of consumed with the archive or did that just like launch you into like consuming musicals at a different degree? I couldn't sing or dance or anything like that, sadly, (laughs) but I always had friends who were in musicals. So I was always the person like, yeah, I'll see your high school play. Oh, sure. You want to see this show? So it sort of became this thing where I always tried to find people who like that, who would do that for me, whether it was community theater or local theater in Philadelphia. And of course, New York's still expensive, but when I could, I would always go to New York. And my parents always liked that kind of thing. My parents were the kind of people who had seen a lot of original Broadway cast at a time when it was like much more affordable. They both saw Ethel Merman and Gypsy. Every famous person like, oh yes, I saw Barbara Streisand in this musical. And yes, they saw everything with some of the original cast when you could do that in Philadelphia. Yeah. And I think it maps on then maybe to like the rise and fall of Broadway as like a cultural hub. There's a really great PBS series. It's like six parts on all about the American Broadway musical from pretty early on in the 30s to some point in uh, 21st century. But I mean, I think there was always that. I mean, it, it, I think that, that it kind of ebbs and flows. I mean, one of the things that happened with, say, Pippin in the 70s was they started doing television advertising. And Pippin wasn't doing that well, but they had this great commercial with some of those Fosse dance moves, and it really turned things around for Pippin, and um, people started to see it. Then there was the whole cleaning up Times Square <laughs> and making it very, like, disney and having like a lot of these Disney musicals and Andrew Lloyd Webber and it became a whole different thing. Wicked became a musical that I think really made money and, and started to turn things around. There's no fight we cannot win. Just you and me gravity. With you and gravity. They'll never bring us down. Thinking about the shows that you've gone to the half price counter, was there a show that you went to that you didn't know anything about or like you kind of knew something about and just like blew you away? Yes. I, mean, I always had this thing where, and it's, it's this weird point of pride, like I will never pay full price for a <laughs> Like I had this thing, like, if I, I will find, I'm on like a zillion discount email list. <laughs> so this was one I really resisted seeing. One of this, this musical that was had been up there was SpongeBob the musical. And I never really yeah. even watched the cartoon. And I was like, absolutely not. There's <laughs> no way I'm seeing this. But I absolutely loved it. And I was so surprised on, in so many ways of, of what was good about it. Yeah. I mean, was it the music? Was it the spectacle? Was it, because I remember reading like the New York Times and I had no idea. And they were like, <laughs> buckle up, this is great. <laughs> And this girl, like the, who was writing the songs and seeing that it was like John Legend, like all these, guy, like yeah. all these, like amazing. Bowie and writers. yes, it was just fun. It was a lot of fun. But then, 
Hamilton, I had my eye on. Yeah. <laughs> I was a big Lin-Manuel Miranda fan, you know, and I loved In the Heights. And I'd even, I liked his work so much that I even saw this other musical he was involved in that no one talks about called Bring It On, which was like this cheerleading musical that he wrote a few songs for. And I remember walking out of that and saying, he needs to do something better. So when I heard about Hamilton, I was like, all right, th I'm not missing this. Well, I promise that I'll make y'all proud. Let's get this guy in front of a crowd. I think this is so interesting because I think that on one hand, Broadway has a fandom. Yeah. I remember being in high school and there were like kids who would wear cats t-shirts, rent <laughs> t-shirts, and like Les Mis t-shirts. And you were like, you're the theater kids. You love Broadway. You're like dedicated. You have all the cast recordings. You're a big Alan Cummings fan. I get it. <laughs> but like to think about the labor, like I think about like the work that's being done in fan studies or like Henry Jenkins talking about the labor of fandom and like doing what you've done, right? Of like having the knowledge and that being a sort of capital, like knowing ahead of time that like this Lin-Manuel Miranda kid is going to be something. <laughs> be something. Right? <laughs> knowing how to work the system to get the pricing that you want. Knowing how to like snap up tickets, knowing how Broadway works. And I don't know if we really talk about Broadway fandom in that way. Work. It's bad enough that he wants to go to work. That's a really good point. And, and yeah, thanks for mentioning that. And I think it's like being a fan of everything. There is a lot of work, but I think it's when you like something and it's like anything, it's sort of fun, you know, you're yeah. reading about it. You know, it doesn't seem like work, but that's a good point, yes. Eliza, I'm looking for a mind at work. I'm looking for a mind at work. I'm looking for a mind at work. It's your mom. I have a question about that podcast you do. Are you on the Instagram or the Twitter or the Facebook? You know, like if I have an idea for a podcast, how do I get in touch with you? Love you. Bye. Sup, mom? Uh, yeah. So you can find us on all those things, actually. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just go to PopQuestPod on any one of those and follow. If you want to send us ideas, you can either go over to our website and leave us a message at PopQ Podcast, or you can get us directly at PopQ at Drexel.edu. You can actually find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, I can help set it up when I get home, but then you have to promise me to rate and review. All right. Love you. Bye. Scooby Doo Bop. time to bring up also adaptations because on right. one hand those bring like these traditional musicals into like a more democratic space of like going to the movies and like watching these play out and you have ones that are very successful I did not realize Les Mis was all singing when I first saw it so I was very confused as an audience member and I turned to my friend and was like is is Russell Crowe doing what he's supposed to be doing? And just nobody told him. And they were like, yeah, no, it's all yeah, sick. Uh, pet peeve there. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm Javert. Do not forget my name. Do not forget me. 24601. I think if you're a really good actor and you can't sing, 
there are things you can do to fake it. If, in, in the movie on Marriage Story with um, Adam Driver and, and Scarlett Johansson, there's a scene where Adam Driver gets up and he sings this song from Sondheim's Company, which is about marriage. And Adam Driver commits to it and he shows an understanding of what the song's about. And it's just, it's so good somehow. Like it, it might not be good if you were listening to it without watching it, but I'm like, okay, this kind of works for me. Somebody hold me too close. Somebody hurt me too deep Somebody sit in my chair And ruin my sleep And make me aware Of being alive Being alive Somebody need me too much Somebody And Hollywood has always tried to like capture what is Broadway. I mean, it's an easy yeah. adaptation. But recently, they seem to have leaned in real hard to, like, musicals. The problem with adaptations is there's always somebody going to say, like, oh, my God, that's not, that didn't happen that, I mean, you can't expect an adaptation to be the same. So I try to think, well, it's a movie. You have to do something different. I think in some ways the movie West Side Story is in, has some advantages over the actual original um, theatrical production. Life can be bright in America. If you can fight in America. Life is all right in America. Oh. Same thing with the movie version of Cabaret. I think it made a leap and it changed things and it was better. Into the Woods was like a favorite musical of mine. So they really had to do violence to some of the things that happened. And the same thing with Sweeney Todd. What about uh, other adaptations? Like, I mean, we I don't think we can leave this conversation without talking about Cats. I don't know if we can uh, avoid it. I never liked Cats to begin with. So I <laughs> <laughs> and that was, you know, I actually think I did see that on Broadway. Memory all alone in the moonlight. I can smile at the old days. I was beautiful then. I mean, I'm not a big Andrew Lloyd Webber fan. I mean, I don't <laughs> like Cats. And I don't like Fan of the Opera, although I like Fan of the Opera better than Cats. In yeah. terms of his work, I would I would like Evita and I like Joseph better. I have the same problem with Fiddler on the Roof. It's like really slow and long. And I, first of all, just this idea that it has to be as long as it was <laughs> live is strange. <laughs> I feel that way about everything. Like, does it really need to be this long? That's just my general rule. Like, for papers, for does it? I mean, if it does, okay, but does it really? <laughs> and the reason I bring this up was that when I was in high school, uh, there were like kids who really were advocating for Newsies. I don't know what kids in my generation like loved about Newsies so much. They still do. <laughs> they still do. And I never, I watched it way too late, I think, because I was like, I don't really get it, gang. But Newsies, they kept advocating and advocating, and the teacher was like, Newsies is not a musical. It's a movie with music numbers, but it's not a musical. And she was really defining like the difference between stage and film. Right. Um, and I feel like you might be on her side. I am totally on her side. <laughs> I am, only because it's just a different thing. And there are people that love those older, you know, MGM kind of movie musicals. And what I couldn't get past is that they kept referring to the newspapers. They called them papes. I just found that yeah. really funny. So that now, you know, my husband and I is like, have you read the papes? You know? <laughs> it's interesting that there's something weird about Newsies that I'm trying to understand. 
Yeah. Well, I, I think it might be because it's like a movie that's trying to capture like a Broadway vibe, but it doesn't, it, I just don't believe that you did your research on Pape. <laughs> so what? You get your picture in the Pape, so what's that get you, huh? What are you talking about, huh? Shut up, you? You've been in a bad mood all day. You're in a bad mood. You've been glum and dumb. What's the matter with you? You're in the Pape, you're famous. You're famous, you'll get anything you want. And that's what's so great about New York. Yeah. Funny that you should bring up Newsies. There is a weird thing about Newsies. They actually made a musical of Newsies. Yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. And then they filmed the musical. So it's not a film, but it's like a film of the musical. There are a lot of filmed live productions of things. And while it's not the same as being there, you do get kind of a different view. And I do enjoy watching some of the film stage productions. You can feel yeah. like you're in the front row. <laughs> yeah. That collective experience of theater that can be so vital and important to understanding how we are connecting with other people. Yeah, I mean, seeing actual human beings on stage and like they're actual, they're playing, they're actors, but they're here with you in this moment. And, you know, I'm just reading an article actually about what a lot of the New York actors are doing during the pandemic, you know, and it's oh. sort of, you know, and how people that were in shows and now they're not, and they have to find other ways to make a living and the kids that were cast in roles and know that whenever it comes back, they're already too old to play those parts. It's just kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, I think about that a lot because that's a lament. I'm like, will I ever see theater again? Will there ever be theater again? Like, you know, it's it's hard to imagine that, but there's so much that we've had to sort of give up, obviously. I mean, I think not just musicals, but any kind of theater, that's, you know, though they find a way to do sports, I guess. You go back to the outdoor theaters. I don't know. I mean, I think you're really going to have to reconfigure it. So I hope there'll be some kind of adjustment. I hope there'll be theater again, but I hope, I think for theater to come back, a lot of things will have to come back. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, controlled optimism, right? Yes, controlled optimism. We want to be optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me not to live, just sit and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. Don't tell me not to fly. If you had one musical to like show somebody who hadn't watched a musical before. Do you have one in mind that you would be like, okay, so here's here's like a musical. If they like more avant-garde or some people really like traditional stuff, Music Man with Robert Preston, not bad. For people that like dancing, I pick a more dancing one. For people that think musicals are too frivolous, I pick something more serious. For something else, I wanna go to like a filmed theatrical production, something like uh, Into the Woods or Company or Sunday in the Park with George, depending on what people like. Because people were forced to watch The Sound of Music as a kid with Julie Andrews, so they have yeah. this thing. But if you go back and watch it now, you see, there's, man, there's some, there's amazing songs in that. So There's so many great musicals and there really is something for everyone's taste and and if you continue to explore them you will find something you love i guarantee you well this has been really enlightening gail thanks so much for like hanging out and talking musicals with me i love it i'll talk musicals to anybody anytime <laughs> pop the question was researched and hosted by dr melinda lewis our theme music and episodes are produced by brian Cantoric with additional audio production by Noah Levine. All of this was done under the directorship of Erica Levy-Zellinger, the deanship of Dr. Paula Moranz-Cohen, and the Pannoni Honors College at Drexel University. I know it's important. I do. I honestly do. But we talking about practice, man.
man. What are we talking about? Practice? We're talking about.